Oh, no, it's my intro. I'm going to ruin it. No, you're going to do great. You can do it. Okay. Hello, and welcome to Gilmore, a podcast where two grown adult women discuss Gilmore Girls. Nope. I screwed up already. (laughs) This is probably why podcasts have one person do it. Hello and welcome to Gilmore, a podcast where two grown adult women who know way too much about Gilmore Girls discuss each episode one by one. I'm Rachel. I'm Lindsay. And today we are discussing season one, episode four, The Deer Hunters. I am so excited about this episode. Is this a favorite? This is my first favorite episode. Really? Okay. Like, I love this episode. There's always like one from each season for the most part that I'm like, this is my favorite episode. And I, at least the first half of season one, but maybe even all of season one, this is like, I always look forward to this episode when I rewatch. Good. I'm excited to hear your thoughts on it. So to start out, why don't you, it's perfect then that it's your recap week. (laughs) So why don't you go ahead and give us a recap? Let's talk a plot. So the a plot is that Rory is where this like is a very Chilton heavy episode. So we're seeing Rory at school. We're seeing how hard it is. So she is struggling socially. There's mean girls and Tristan's a pain in the butt. And school actually, like the academic part is hard, which is new for her. And so she's really struggling. And she actually, at the very beginning of the episode, gets a D on a big paper. And that really like kind of throws off the, her whole experience of this academic experience that's already overwhelming. And she just gets really down on herself and she's really, really struggling. And then that kind of leads us to the big kind of moment in the in the episode because she's studying for this test. In order to like make up for the D and kind of get back on track, she has to study really, really hard for this Shakespeare test that's worth 20% of her grade. But in the process, she ends up staying up almost all night to study and then she oversleeps and in a flurry to get to school, she arrives late and misses the test. And that, and then she kind of has this emotional explosion and it becomes this huge deal. So, and then we watch like kind of her and Lorelai navigate what that looks like kind of as a de-escalation. And then there's this really cool conversation at the end. So that's kind of the A plot. And then the B plot is that Suki is, has a review done on the restaurant at the inn. And the reviewer, it's a rave, except for the reviewer just says this risotto that we now know as the magic risotto, it's fine. And then basically it's just her obsessing the whole time and then like tracking this guy down and making him eat the risotto. <laughs> the magic risotto. <laughs> the magic risotto, with, but the, with, correct with the correct wine. I want you to try this dish with this wine. I'll wait. <laughs> but yeah, so that's basically the B plot is just this like underlying like Suki like obsessing over the fact that like this thing that she's so proud of is like not a highlight of the review when otherwise the review is like a rave. Which is very on brand for Suki because any slight, not even criticism, but slight whiff of thinking it was a criticism, mm-hmm. she's she loses it. I over. have to say... I am Suki. I have walked away. So if any of my former or future employers or current employers are listening to this podcast, when I go into like my annual review, they're always good. Like it's always positive stuff. 
But the like one thing, the only thing I ever remember from my review is like, hey, this is your room for growth. And I'm oh, like, oh yeah, of course. Oh my gosh, I suck. It's like, like that quote. What is it? Um, compliments are written in sand, and criticisms written in cement, or something. Yeah. So I am Suki because <laughs> I like yes, this is exactly how I would handle that too, which is probably like um, a. A little you know, over. A yeah. little nod to my <laughs> mental health state most of the time. But honestly, like, I felt this because I was like, oh, my gosh, yes. Especially if it was something that, like, you know and is a point of pride for you. Right, especially her magic risotto. It's not yeah. just a normal salad. or <laughs> It's this point of pride for her that and she just becomes obsessed over it. And it's just, it just makes the episode, like, silly. And I do love the fact that the B plot is not Lorelai. Mm -hmm. Lorelai's involved, obviously, because she's friends with Suki and works at the inn. Mm -hmm. But it is completely Suki heavy, which I loved yes. because we do get Melissa McCarthy in all her glory, mm -hmm. which is great. So, yeah, that's kind of the synopsis. Obviously, there's I'm sure there's tons of stuff that I missed. So, Rachel, I'd love to hear just some of your thoughts from the episode. What's a what's something you want Goodness, to talk about? I honestly didn't have as many. It's funny that this is a favorite for you because I felt like this one, note-wise, I was not as note-heavy. doesn't mean I don't like it. But I think, like you said in the last episode... We had so much to cover in the mm -hmm. first few that this one is another one that feels like an actual plot-heavy episode as opposed to, like, here's all these new people. One thing I did want to mention that I forgot when we first were introduced to Tristan is the fact that Gilmore Girls was such a WB jumping-off point for actors, mm -hmm. like young male actors, to be on other shows. Tristan being one of them, he leaves season two. Yeah, he leaves season two, yeah. and he goes on to... Oh, what was one Tree Hill. Yes, that was so. It. That was so funny that he's one of, and he's one of many who ends up on another WB show. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we get Tristan again, and he's still being a pest. And he's, no, he's icky and aggressive. <laughs> like I, I was being nice, I guess. No, don't be. Well, nice. I did write. He's such a butt butthead, and then I put I wrote in, ick Tristan ick, and then That's in, all I wrote. and then in parentheses I put butt faced miscreant. I do love how Rory handles it though. Is there no one else at the school you can bother? She's so over it and not at all flattered. She's above thinking like, okay, he's kind of cute or whatever and mm -hmm. he's trying to flatter me. She's done. And I love, I'm just going to jump ahead because it goes with this. I love the scene when Rory snaps and loses it on Tristan yes. and Paris. And that is something I want to talk about because get we, right into it. We have like, there's lots of different things we see that are really big kind of pieces of the character and ways that they talk and communicate. And this is a rant-heavy episode. Like, it is, you're right. Is, and I think that's why I like it so much, especially <laughs> because we get a very rare Rory rant. And just what is wrong with you, huh? You already have everything. You already have the grades and the status. What the hell is wrong with you that you have this constant need to be the biggest jerk in the entire world? Okay, let's go. Huh? What's up? What's up, Quippy? Why so silent? Outside, now. Like, we get tons of, we'll have Lorelai rants, we'll have Emily rants, we'll have Luke rants, we'll have, like, all of these rants from all of these people. But Rory is really kind of the kind of even keel temperament person on the of those characters. And I mean, she, we even got a Suki rant in this episode, actually, too. When? When she's going on and on about what the word fine means. Fine is a word you use when someone stops you on the street that you sort of know, but you don't want to talk to. So they ask you how you are, and you say fine. And that's just enough so they don't have to keep talking to you because they don't want to. Oh, yeah. Sorry yes. to interrupt you. But no, like, that's, yes. So you're right, and Rory is a rare ranter. She's a rare ranter. <laughs> and so she loses it. So she gets hit by the deer, which, of course, she got hit by a yes. deer. Like, of course, it wasn't, like, something... 
horrific, but it also wasn't not something. And it's just so random that you would get hit by a deer. Yes. I'm sure that happens as opposed to her hitting a deer. And also side note, where the heck is Rory driving? Yes. It is like literally the deep forest. It's dirt roads. And I'm thinking, okay, yeah, Stars House is a small town, but you go to school in Hartford, you take a legitimate bus to get there mm-hmm. usually. I would imagine she'd be on normal roads. This is, unless it's supposed to be a back road, like shortcut mm-hmm. type of situation. This struck me so weird this time of being like, where the heck are you driving? Well, and why is she stopped and calling Lane about notes about something? She has to take this test in like 20 minutes. And she studied uh, for hours the night before. And she's driving. What are you going to do right. with these notes right. that you need to find? Like, I need to check something. No, you don't, Roy. No, just get, get to, to school. school. <laughs> get to school. And had she not stopped, she never would have gotten hit by the deer. Yes. But she also might have still been late and we we don't know that, but I love the whole rant when she, especially when she like just lays into Paris. Oh my gosh. Cause that's Excellent. really what sets it off. Cause she's just trying to like, she's flustered and Rory's not used to being flustered. She's not used to being late. And then all of a sudden she's really flustered. And then Paris like does a like loser. And then she just lays into her. And yeah, I wrote down like the, uh, what's up, Quippy? Why so silent? Because it's so <laughs> funny. And it's just not how Rory talks to people. No. And it's finally, I mean, we have seen the show a lot of times. So we end up loving Paris. But at this point in the timeline, we do not. Mm-hmm. Paris has been nothing but mean and overly aggressive and rubbing Rory's face in it, even with the scene in this episode where she goes up behind her and quotes this big, long passage from Shakespeare from the top of her head. It is the star to every wandering bark whose worst unknown, although his height, be taken. You're going down. I wrote in my notes, Paris has a black belt in nonviolent aggression. (laughs) She does. She does. And so to see Rory just lose it in a way that was intelligent mm-hmm. actually in the moment i mean she was super angry obviously and frustrated but it it still hit paris in a way and was coherent in a way that made sense mm-hmm. and i remember when i first saw this episode thinking like i like internally cheering like yes the like fact she that she got on everything. paris and got on tristan yeah. like she, it was great paris has like why like why are you coming for right. her paris right. you to rory's point you already have everything you have the grades you have the status just leave me alone just like i'm not coming at you just Rory just wants to be left alone. And that's like, that is her MO. Like even when she gets into college and like wants to read a book instead of going to a party, like Rory just wants to be left alone. Right. So to meet people like Paris and Tristan specifically at Chilton Mm -hmm. is is like probably extra jarring. Mm -hmm. Like this is school. Why are you guys on me all the time? Mm -hmm. Then we get to like later the Lorelai's rant. And this rant is epic. I thought this place was going to be so great. And now, I guess this goes on the boy was I wrong list, right above Gaucho's, but just below the flash dance phase. It's just epic to me. It's just so iconic of like what Lorelai is like, especially like when she's, when someone really kind of puts her back to the wall mm-hmm. and she has to defend herself. Just starting with, is that door open for a reason? <laughs> I know. And then like just going all the way into like, Il Duce and this rotting stodgy rat hole and that whole that whole rant is iconic because it's just it's funny and it's it's got like 
pop culture references and like deep cuts and um, it's her standing up, but it's like she's doing it in a way that if I was Max, just observing her <laughs> talk to like Headmaster Charleston like that, keeping a straight face would be impossible. Right. I would be like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Because it's amazing. And that actually brings up something that I hadn't thought of till literally just now is the fact that Max witnesses that whole rant. Mm-hmm. I mean, he did already have an interaction with Lorelai in this episode at the parent-teacher conference. So he already had an interaction. But he witnesses that whole rant. And yet still, at the end of the phone message, yes. like says, it was it was a pleasure meeting you. I hope it happens again. Mm-hmm. So that's just an interesting thing that he saw her at her kind of craziest and was still like, yeah, but she's seems like an interesting woman that I want to get to know. Yeah. And that's that's the only person, that's the only character we meet in this episode is we right. meet Max, he's new. who mm-hmm. is um, Roy's teacher. And we, we see that he's like a passionate Elizabethan literature teacher at this school um he actually like he's the first sign of empathy we see at chilton because we've only ever the really the only people we've met are headmaster charleston like the smattering of like intense teachers and people that work there that are just cold and like this is how it is this is how it is we've met paris and and madeline louise who are awful we've met tristan (laughs) who is gross and like privileged and icky. And then we meet Max, who just feels different mm-hmm. inside this place that is otherwise just a total hell for Rory. Mm-hmm. And so I love that we meet Max and we get to see this. And then, of course, like the dynamic with him and Lorelai, even from the get-go mm-hmm. at the parent-teacher night, is really interesting. He's smart and he's seeing this other smart person that's like, oh, she's smart and she's funny and she's quippy. And and she's got a smart daughter that she mm-hmm. obviously cares about and has mm-hmm. raised well and, you know, sticks up for. I think this is an instance of, we had talked in a couple episodes ago about, like, what's up with the men mm-hmm. in the Gilmoreverse. This is... He's the first normal yes, man. His, his that we've seen actually be interested. Like mm-hmm. his interest in Lorelai on the answering machine seems appropriate for their interactions thus far. Because yes. he doesn't ask her out. He just says, Lorelai, it was a pleasure encountering you. I hope it happens again. I was trying to take away all of my future knowledge of Max. And just based on this episode, he is very likable. And I, I think, again, you you nailed the fact that because he's empathetic mm-hmm. and even seems like a really good teacher, he jokes about, you know, we're going to have this test who you've been, you know, the, the dreaded test. So he gets it, mm-hmm. but, but cares about his students learning. To air is human. And that here at Chilton, we try to beat that humanity right out of you. Max is a pleasant introduction in this episode, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, another, another tr- kind of trope that we see... Um, which comes up later and happens a lot, are Lorelai's bits. So (laughs) when she just kind of globs onto something, there's a few times when I'm going to name this a different thing. But then most of the time, though, it's just her being funny. Um, And so the bit happens when they go shopping for school supplies. Oh, and here are your somber highlighters, your maudlin pencils, your manic depressive pens. Mom. And it's all in fun and it's all in kind of tongue-in-cheek. We just get to see her kind of become this, like, bigger-than-life personality that you still like. Right. It's it's almost like she does it for no one but her. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, Laura, or Rory well, is there. Well, she's teasing her daughter. But she's teasing her, but it, she it's could have... Yeah, it's for her, and it's just off the top of her head, which, mm-hmm. again, just goes to show her wittiness and intelligence mm-hmm. of... She just, ta- yeah, takes something and just runs with it. 
Um, I have a question for you that is related to the show. Have you ever gotten a D that was big like this one with Rory? Um, I was not a great student only because I, well, I was a traumatized teenager who just didn't care. Okay. Um, I'm like a former gifted child. So I like didn't try very hard to like be decent at school. And because I kind of was able to fly under the radar and I had too many other things happening in my life, I was never like, oh, I wanna do this and I wanna get good grades. Like the first time I actually like remember intentionally proactively being really, really good at school because I cared about it was, wasn't until grad school. Even oh, in okay. undergrad, like except my, there were my history classes when I was in undergrad because that was my major and I loved those classes. And so those classes I would work really hard and I tried and because I really cared and I would try to be creative about my paper topics and stuff. But um, I did have some like grades where I was like, ooh, I should probably make up for that. But I was more like the like the anti Rory, where I was like, <laughs> I would have teachers that would get mad at me because I'd get an A on the test because I knew the material, but I would get a B in the class because I didn't do any homework. But oh, I was okay. like, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> See, whereas I'm at least in the school world the opposite because I have this memory, like I oh, remember no. distinctly in fifth grade of all times getting a D on reading on like a reading grade which is wild because you read constantly it is wild and i think because i i I don't remember the circumstances around the d i think i either didn't do as like we had to meet a reading quotient Mm -hmm. and i either didn't do the amount of reading that i needed to do or i also remember in that same class her getting on me because in fifth grade I was reading, and you will not be surprised by this, The Babysitter's Club, and that was not up to that reading level. But I'm pretty sure it was more about quantity over quality. And I remember beating myself up all the way home on the bus about this D and telling my mom, and I was, I think I was crying. It was, it was, I can very much identify with with Rory on a lot of things because to jump forward, my reaction was actually more like when she misses Lorelai's graduation of punishing herself. I was very much (laughs) like, oh my gosh, I got a D. And my mom was like, um, it's okay. So this episode, her getting the D was so much like, oh my gosh, I'm Rory and Rory's me. For me, at least. That's why I asked that question. Yeah, I'm like more like Lorelai probably was in school, (laughs) where it's like, this is dumb. Why am I doing this? (laughs) This is a waste of my time. This is a waste of my time. So uh, if there's any other recovering gifted, former gifted children out there that are just figuring out, still trying to figure out who they are in the world. (laughs) Hit us um, up. Hit us up, because I'm your people. And speaking of grades, quickly, I was kind of shocked that Luis got an A. Not because Louise let's, is not okay, smart. Let's remember that <laughs> because Louise is apparently super brilliant right now. That does not track with the rest of her character, yes. it seems. We'll come to learn that she's occupied and distracted yes. by other things. Yes. <laughs> so I want to revisit um, what are you wearing? What are you wearing? Okay. Because this episode <laughs> was the... When we finally start to see Lorelai's personality in her clothing, because clothing is part of her personality, I think throughout the show, there's like very iconic outfits that she wears or like conversations around like clothing that are really unique to her personality. And up until now, we have seen her, especially in her work clothes, it's been a bunch of just like regular, like 
suits. Like she'll wear like it, it, it all fits well and it looks nice on her. And I think it was to get the point across like she's actually like she's this chaotic, crazy, wild person outside. But then when she's at work, she's professional. She's put together. But so I took note of all of her outfits in this episode. <laughs> and so I'm dubbing this episode the animal, the animal mm, outfit, mm-hmm. the animal outfit episode. OK, because, OK, the first <laughs> the first outfit we see her in is in like this like zebra button up with like a pencil skirt and these red boots and then we see her in a leopard print t-shirt with pink pink trim i remember that one we see her in um the a snake print blouse (laughs) that is also amazing with a like a pencil skirt she looks fabulous there is the b52 shirt which is not an animal but also is like kind of an iconic piece because it's a conversation starter with max it's this like of course she would show up to this like super prim and proper school wearing a suit with a b52's t-shirt and honestly i remember when i first saw this episode and she was wearing that i remember her thinking that was intentional yeah so when he calls it out and says are you a b52's girl what? <laughs> no, I'm a klutz girl who should not drive with coffee in her hand. I literally was like, oh, I thought that was an intentional yes, choice. Yes, but that's the thing is that's like what now we're starting to see. Because I think see, it's kind of cute. It is. And, but, but that's it's because we're starting to see Lorelai's personality really come out through her clothing in a way that hasn't happened before. And then also she wears this like fabulous leather skirt. Oh my gosh, I not, love the leather skirt. Yes. So it's that's not an animal print, but it is an animal. <laughs> so we're calling this the animal outfits episode because. That the, is a good catch because I, I noticed the leopard shirt, mm-hmm. but I didn't notice all the other yeah. things. There's zebra, snake, leopard, <laughs> and, leather. Um, and leather. And so she, this will keep happening, mm-hmm. but I love that they're the, you know, the costume department and the people that are really kind of creating these characters really start to embrace like, what would someone with this personality actually wear? Mm-hmm. And, and I, get away with. And get away and with. amazing. Right. Because they're like, if I wore that much animal print in four days, my husband would send me on safari <laughs> and like, he would look at me 16 ways crazy but like with Lorelai you're like of course this is animal week it's just like it's it's, it's that's my personality this week yeah so I that's that's my uh what are you wearing and in this time it's in a really great way that's great so I want to revisit the most obscure pop culture oh yes deep deep cuts with Rachel deep cuts I feel like this episode the one that has always hit me and I actually again looked it up today was when Suki cooks all the risotto and she goes, What's with all the risotto? Have we gone theme now? Ooh, is it gonna be like the Scotch tape store? I didn't know that was a, th- I always just it's assumed. Like, uh, that I just was... thought it was like a, the container store, but like not. Yes, so apparently it's an SNL sketch. Uh, Scotch boutique. No, uh, Puppyland moved. They're, they're over in the new mall now. No, we don't sell terriers, just cellophane tape. That's that. Then that is a very deep dive because I always just kind of thought it was a throwaway line like she was being sarcastic mm-hmm. or whatever. But yeah, so that's a, it isn't a real thing, but it's a reference to an SNL. But it's skit, a very apparently. real pop culture thing yeah. that, that, that yeah. only Laura would Of know, course, it's like a Scotch tape store. Exactly. Yeah, I do, that's one I didn't know. So thank you. Do you think, um, talking about Suki and her magic and not so magic risotto. Do you think it's a- appropriate or not for her to go to the reviewer's house? It's very Suki, right. but it's also like wildly invasive. But at the same time, like 
it's not appropriate, no. But does it land and is it forgivable because it's Suki? And also, I think the only reason she gets away with it is because she never turns around. Right. Because that's like the whole point of a reviewer is they're supposed to remain relatively anonymous. anonymous. Mm-hmm. And so she's like, I don't want to see you. I and, and she doesn't even ask for a re-review. She's like, I don't care. The review is fine. I don't care. I don't want to see it's you. It's more for herself. This is for me. I am going, I want you to eat this dish with this wine. I'll I'll wait. wait. And so I, the only reason it's like passable as not totally inappropriate is the fact of how she handles it when she's there. Mm -hmm. Agreed. I agree. All right. So I'm going to ask the question again. How old is Rory? I literally was just looking at that sentence in my notes. How old is Rory? Because she says she's 16. She gives her the the keys to her car. She drives alone. And she drives alone. But we also know, she spoiler turns alert, 16. she's going to turn 16 in a few episodes. So I have just resigned myself to Rory is 16 all of season one until she turns 17 the next October. She's it, like stuck in. It's inconsistent. Yeah. She's stuck in a time lapse where she keeps reliving <laughs> 16. 16 until she doesn't anymore. Right. Yeah. Right. But I wrote that same thing down because this is the most, besides the one off, like she's 16 comment in the pilot, Rory clearly is driving by herself, which unless Connecticut has different laws would be illegal unless you're 16. Oh yeah. One of the things I want to talk about, which is it's, just a really lovely way to kind of end the episode is Lorelai really comes to a moment where she does some really interesting and very cool repair with Rory, mm-hmm. where Ro- she she really s- sees that, have I been pushing my kid too hard? Am I forcing her to live dreams that are mine and not hers? And I think it's really lovely to see this, especially because like in the last episode, we talked about how Lorelai is like kind of stuck as an emotionally unregulated, emotionally stunted Mm -hmm. 16 year old. But then she also has these moments where she is like the parent of the year. And I Mm -hmm. think seeing her own own the fact that like, hey, I might have pushed this dream on you and I want to make sure that that's not what we're doing. Maybe all this time I'm thinking it's all for Rory when really it wasn't. I'm not doing this because of you. But if you are, you don't have to. I know that. I'll still love you, even if you can't support me in my old age in the fabulous manner to which I plan on growing accustomed. I'll remember that selfless gesture. Thank you. And so I think it's just this really lovely way of seeing them repair um, their relationship where it might have felt strained because and, and, and also just a way of repairing and bringing safety to Rory when she's feeling so overwhelmed everywhere else. Mm-hmm. I think it's just this really neat conversation um, that also again, like will create a trajectory for Rory where we realize like, oh, Rory isn't like this because her mom formed her to be this way. Rory is really like this because that's who she is in the same way that Lorelai is the way she is because that's just how she is. Right, without Emmeline Richards' input. Yeah, the heavy-handedness of like what it could be to parent someone with that, especially with like Rory's kind of disposition and like penchant for learning and things Mm -hmm. like that you would think it would be really like heavily directed by her mom kind of trying to live through her and then we see her repairing this in a way I just love that I love that I I agree I when I watched this this time that scene really hit me of like wow this is a really sweet scene and a really vulnerable scene for Lorelai to say is this my dream or yours and when I see you killing yourself and stressing out, I don't want that for you. Mm-hmm. And then Rory able to say, 
confirm, no, this is my dream and I'll figure it out and I'll, mm-hmm. I'll work it out. And this also wouldn't have been a conversation that they probably would have had to have when Rory was at Stars Hollow High, mm-hmm. because as, as Lane says, she breezed through it. That wasn't a problem for her. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I agree that that was such a good heartfelt scene between the two of them. Okay. So when did you giggle? I do love Lane's line about, well, put salt down. Deers love salt. Where am I going to get salt? (laughs) Do you have a lunch? I love Mrs. Kim's. That is chocolate covered death. About the (laughs) Snickers bar? I forgot about that. I (laughs) giggle pretty much every time Lorelai knocks into the globe. What in the world? (laughs) I still say what in the world all the time. So much that with my family, we've shortened it to WITW when we want to say what in the world because, and it's from this, it's Mm -hmm. from that scene because. Lauren Graham knocking into it and saying what in the world like a funny pun is just classic. I love that. Well, and it's her showing her like how her personality really doesn't fit in this like stiff and staunch world. Right, right. Because she's like funny and like still witty even when she's and she's like super awkward. And then instead of it being received the way it is in Stars Hollow, it's like the moms are like, she must be a scholarship student, <laughs> which for the record, I would have loved to hear the verbal comebacks because you know they were zingers. Agreed, you know those agreed, were fire comebacks. Agreed. And again, it's the, it's that moment when Max gets Lorelai in her full glory mm-hmm. from the beginning. Yes. He sees her be funny about the globe. He sees her angry about the coffee. Mm-hmm. He sees her about to verbally eviscerate mm-hmm. this woman who made fun of her. And they have a really great conversation. And there's chemistry, I feel like, almost immediately. Oh, immediately. With Lorelai and Max. Yes. Um, So I giggle every time. So when Rory's walking out of the classroom, she just got her D. And Paris and uh, Louise are just horrific to her. And she walks out in the hall. And the first thing that comes up is Tristan. And he, like, is just being Tristan to Mm -hmm. her. And she just goes, and it just keeps getting better. (laughs) And it just is like, even when she's frustrated, she's deadpan Mm -hmm. and hysterical. So I love that. And I do, speaking of that same scene, I do love when Madeline's like, okay, I have no idea what you two are talking about. No, but Rory does. (laughs) And that's so Madeline. (laughs) It's so Madeline. So we are running short on time for this episode. So do we want to do a pretty hot grab bag here at the end? Pretty hot grab bag. Uh, Yes, please. Okay, you go first. All right. So Jesus, Mary, Joseph, and the camel (laughs) is one of my, it's my new favorite expletive. It's been like, I have loved that from the beginning because it's just so funny and Lorelai and it's like what would you do if you heard somebody say that but it's so funny so my new favorite expletive is Jesus Mary Joseph the camel I can give you a coffee count okay give us a coffee count it was low too not including Hanlon and Max drinking something that may have been tea or coffee well so she drinks it in the kit in the inn and then she drinks it at a parent night and then they make she brings them she brings a cup of coffee when they're studying so it's three okay so three sorry so three, about that. but that's right. that is still it's pretty super pretty low. low um oh I want to talk that and this will this will be a thing slowly rotting slowly rotting their insides <laughs> so what's like these women eat trash so yes. the only food we hear about in this episode is that they eat french fries dipped in horseradish sauce which, which I have to say I feel like sounds kind of good I like horseradish sauce and I feel like it would work on french fries I feel like it would work but it's like that's the food it's not dinner that's and not I, dinner. I love when they're having the heart to heart too and 
Lorelai says something about eating a real meal. And I'm like, you guys never eat real meals. What are you talking about? I think this is the t- last time we see Drella, possibly. Pretty sure. Is it? I think so. Oh, poor Drella. Four episodes in. Yeah. Oh, slight denometer. Should it be denometer? I no, know. I like denometer. Denometer. Um, Dino, we, Dino, Dino. We meter. hear about him. <laughs> I like that. We hear about him asking Lane about Rory. This guy asked about you today. What guy? The new kid. I feel like that's low. I would give that a zero. That's that, that's, that's a low. zero on the denometer. That's fine. But it still has to register because it is an interaction. Well, about and we're Dean. gonna run out of zeros pretty quickly. <laughs> pretty quickly. So we need to give him all the like zeros and ones we can. Um, so the Chilton parents are awful, and I want to follow this train as we go. Is Headmaster Charleston ever a redeemable character? Because he is. He's a jerk in this one too. Horrible. Yes. He horrible. Well. I don't want to spoil it, but I feel like he is in the year in the life, and that well, might be it. Yeah, that's it. But, but that's like it. that takes twenty five years <laughs> for him, or twenty yes. years for him to because he's not nice in this one either. No, and it shocked not. me after our conversation about him in a previous episode because I thought he got better, and he doesn't. No, he does not. He's bad in this one too. And I'm thinking of future episodes when that he's in, and he's also bad in those. We get Lorelai's first answering machine message, yeah, outgoing message, which again is the personality. It's a whole character. It's us. We're not here. We have a life. Get over it. Why is Rory carrying so much stuff when she gets to school? Like, I get that, like, the whole point is to show, like, she's overwhelmed and it's a cumbersome school. But, like, we see all the other kids and they've got, like, a backpack or, like, a rolly bag. And she gets off the bus and it takes her, like, three trips (laughs) to get off the bus. And then we see her holding and she's like, it's like, what are you carrying? Unless unless she's still catching up from, from, like... But, like, she's got two backpacks, a duffel bag, <laughs> like, a lunch pail, and then, like, something else. Yeah, it's, it's like, a little excessive. It's like she's going on, like, an adventure. <laughs> a weekend trip to school. Oh, and Luke, this is a – come on, Luke. You can't blame this on her this time. Because, like, yes, normally their dining habits are atrocious or whatever. But she throws the pencil. He brings her pie. And then Lorelai goes, she didn't pie? Did she even have dinner? You raised her. I just served. It's right. like, no, sir. You you made that. the pie decision this time. Exactly. Like every other time, we can say like you're slowly writing your insides. You guys eat trash. They're yeah. basically raccoons. But in this episode, this was not her this, choice. In this instance, Luke did this, and then he like blamed her for it. Not that I'm trying to like come hot at Luke because we love Luke, <laughs> but in that one time, I was like, but you gave her the pie. And I do. This is a side note. Another pretty hot grab bag. I love Lane's closet nook mm-hmm. and how much in contrast it is to the rest of her bedroom that has no color, mm-hmm. no personality. It's got like uh, lava lamps m- and music, music and posters and pillows. And, and but I love it. I want it. Yeah. And there's like, I think at one point there's like a disco ball in there. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that's just another like Lane hides her real life. All right. So that is about it. For today, thank you for listening. Um, do all the things that you do for a podcast. Rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends, tell your enemies, tell a guy at the store, whatever. Gilmore Girls is great, and everybody should listen to this podcast. Next week, we will be talking about Season 1, Episode 5, Cinnamon's Wake. And we will close this episode, as we usually do, with the wise words of Mrs. Kim, boys don't like funny, funny girls. girls.